The scripture reading for tonight <clears throat> comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter, and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. The word of the Lord. This is Easter, and you are loved. The soft insistence of love has overwhelmed all other possibilities today to become the end, the final answer, the destination, the location of all our wonderings and wanderings. It is Easter and love is possible. Love is present. It is Easter and you are loved in an inconceivable, irrevocable, uncanny, prodigious way by God who created all of us for this purpose. God created us so that God could love us. It's Easter, and we are all inflicted, infected with this possibility of love, this possibility of love that we are capable of, we have a capacity for, a pervasive desire to love. It might not be at the forefront of most of our psyches. It might not appear as the driving force in our lives. But I am telling you, it is there. You are made to love, all of you. And you are good at it. This is Easter, and you are free to love. Of all the things I could say on Easter, that is the one I like to say. On this Sunday, Easter Sunday, I'm always a little intimidated to get up here and say a thing, especially such a clear 
and remarkable thing. I mean, how I talk about the actuality of this event, how do I do it, this event that we are remembering today. I mean, the coming back from a murder perpetrated by God's creation, which serves not as evidence of our condemnation, but as the advent of our reconciliation. Now, the rest of the year, I can point to this theologically, historically pivotal proclamation with hints and misunderstanding and uneasy anticipation. I can sort of unearth this great good news a little bit. I mean, usually it needs to be gotten at or worked through or plied or pried so that the basic revelation of this Christian faith might be glimpsed a little bit. But this Sunday, each year, I kind of have a sense of like deep obligation, a feeling of helplessness at my ability. How do I proclaim the resurrection of God from the dead with the gravity and the majesty and the inconceivable tsunami mercy in the manner that is equivalent to this event? This doesn't seem possible to me. I'm more comfortable with like misunderstanding and hints than I am with bald, triumphant shouts from the mountaintop of, he is risen. No matter how loud I yell, or how much joy or exuberance I try to bring to it, I always feel that my aim is off, or it misses somehow. But maybe I'm trying to bring too much to it. Maybe it's a different sort of proclamation, more subversive, this undoing of death, this enfolding of all things in living and loving. Maybe it's a kind of proclamation that runs counter to the getting over, getting paid, getting bigger, more powerful, more stuffness that is the story of our world. Maybe it's not something that can be shouted, but instead whispered, like a secret that everyone is in on. It's maybe meant to be lived out, not broadcasted. It's to be received, not promoted. It's profound peace, not the pronouncement of perfection that we find in this proclamation. Jesus did not explode out of the tomb. He did not come smashing through the stone with a bunch of angels behind him and stand there defiantly saying, See, I told you. This was not a display of power. As a matter of fact, the way this happened when they came, they didn't find Jesus there at all. What they found instead was a mystery, an empty tomb. And these women, it's not his disciples, it's uh, the most humble of his followers. These women who, in most of Christian history, are barely remembered. But this group of women comes, and they are the ones that find this empty tomb. And how many women are there? I mean, they start to list their names out here. They said there's Mary and Joanna and the other Mary and all the other women. But who are all these other women? All these women who came from, with Gal- from Galilee with them. Is it six women or 12 women? 
I don't know. It's this group of women, and they all come, and they see this empty tomb, and they all go inside this empty tomb, and there, while they're standing there looking around, two shining men appear. How big is this tomb? I mean, are they having to sort of, like, crouch down? Is it crowded in there? Or just simply full? The men, shining, say, why do you seek the living among the dead? So the women spill out of this womb and go back to tell Peter and the rest of the disciples. And Peter, this text says, Peter thought that they were telling an idle tale. A tale, one that doesn't go anywhere. They didn't believe it. So Peter gets up, and the rest of the disciples, I guess, trail by, and the women take him back to the tomb, and he bends down, and unlike the women, he just stares in. He doesn't go inside. And he's looking, and he turns and he says to Mary, I don't get it. And the women sort of conjolingly says, yeah, you're doing it wrong. You gotta go inside. And so, Peter goes inside, and then all the women go inside, and these two shining men are still there, and all the other disciples start to come in, and now this place is really starting to get crowded. People can move, can barely move in there. And it's starting to get, the giggles are starting to happen, as you do when you're kind of squished in a place. And, and somebody says, somebody says, uh, well, where is Jesus? And then somebody else says, I don't know, he could be around here, who can tell? It's so crowded in here. And somebody says, I think somebody just stepped on my foot. And they all started to, um, to giggle a little bit. And they heard one voice they didn't recognize say, I think I'm dying in here. And they all started laughing and fell out of the womb. 